0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner alongside my friend Omar Borja. Uh, Omar recently made me depressed because I realized after this week we we're halfway done with the regular season. How did this come like so quickly?
1: I don't know. I mean, it always it always sneaks up though, which is kind of yeah. Sad. It
0: always sneaks up. It's like, gosh, man, we are halfway done. Uh, after this, as far as as far as we're concerned with with college football awards and all that, and who knows? Maybe um, with a little. I don't know if you saw the the post from from the Rock the other day about him going to this business meeting for the XFL. So maybe we'll do a little spring or something like that. But man, gosh, that flew by. So. Anyways, um yeah, man, how's how's your week going? Everything enjoy your weekend of college football.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't bad. Um well, got 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 a free ticket to the Clemson game uh from from uh, from Mr. V Pool Patel, friend of uh, fr- our father friend of, of, show, my friend. Friend of both of us. Friend, of the pod, yeah, a friend of, uh, yeah, friend of both of us, and father of Nikhil Patel. Uh, so if he watches this, I don't think he watches our podcast. Uh, just know that he, we mentioned his name, and we I was really grateful for the ticket. Um, and a really close game at Clemson, Boston College. Uh, a lot, a lot of red flags there for Clemson, but maybe they'll figure it by year's by a season's end, because they're still alive for the ACC.
0: Uh, anyone's alive in the ACC right now, except for maybe Florida State and Miami. Yeah, that that, that conference is wide open right now. Uh, But hopefully we'll get to see see the ACC develop a little more and be a little more solidified as time goes on. I know we're going to be talking about a particular ACC quarterback uh, today um, in our Heisman ranking, someone that snuck in there. But anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. who has first pick this week? I can't remember for players of the week.
1: Um, I think I had first pick. Okay, go ahead. All right. So my first pick at quarterback, um, I like to see the, uh, we're both fans of the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, I attended the game uh, in 2020 last game at the Trop, uh, the, air, the aircraft hangar, but we like to see their games of the week and where scouts are on site. And so that's where both my quarterback selections are coming from that page. Uh, so, this was one of the games of the week: the Battle of the Bay, Norfolk State versus Hampton, Great HBCU Classic. Uh, not exactly an in-conference in rivalry anymore, with with uh, Hampton leaving the MEAC of the Big South. But big shouts to Jawan Carter, quarterback for Nor- Norfolk State, who, along with the Quilabaster, is a great crop of pro-ready quarterbacks in the in the HBCUs and the SWAC and the MEAC. Uh Jawan Carter is one of them, really. Uh, with he went seventeen to thirty-one for two hundred ninety-four yards, two touchdowns, had. 17 carries for for 92 yards and three touchdowns for a five touchdown day on the season. He has 12 touchdowns, two picks, averaging a, a, about five yards a carry with sacks um, and four rushing touchdowns. And honestly, like people, people aren't paying attention. Like in terms of the Celebration Bowl race, one of my favorite bowl games but norfolk state is projected to go to the bowl game by by espn by a couple prognosticators and that will be their first bowl since 1979 the 1979 gold bowl against south carolina state they've never won a bowl game they have four appearances total in hvcu bowls uh if you ask me i think this is the better bowl train to jump on than the utep bowl train i mean that, that that's just my hot take a lot of people were jumping on the Utah bowl train but the norfolk state bowl train on the nor- on the shore of, of virginia that's a great train to jump on. So that's my pick. Juwan that, Carter. Yeah. Like look for him in the, in the, in the East West Shrine Bowl for sure. I, I mean, I would love to see him there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, hopefully we'll see him down there in, in Vegas on the NFL network um the, this January, but man, three rushing touchdowns in one game. How many does he have on the year? Do you know that by chance?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's got four in the year, but he's just so efficient okay. running the ball. I wish I could get some yeah. non sack rushing numbers, but he's efficient, uh, even with sacks. Yeah. With I mean, he yards
0: almost yards. had 100 yards rushing, it doesn't matter how many rushing touchdowns he, he has. I mean, he's obviously proficient, um, in, in running the ball, which that, that gosh, that's awesome. Um, my first guy, opposite end of the spectrum, I'm gonna go with Will Rogers, a quarterback from Mississippi State, 46 for 59, which is a ridiculous 78 percent completion percentage. 408 yards three touchdowns no picks there's no way you can put up those kind of stats and us not mention you uh he, they he got all those in a 26 to 22 victory versus Texas A&M this past weekend
1: yeah and like I mean the thing with with Mike Leach's offense is a, it's a great stat padding offense um but like, really, I mean, yes, they are. Yeah, yeah I know raid,
0: But yeah. still, everyone knows the pass is coming, and four out of five times, almost, you're you're completing the pass. So I thought that was awesome to see.
1: Yeah, that's that's a thing. Yeah, like honestly, it's amazing the numbers he's putting out there, and a lot of people probably when Mike Leach was hired probably said, okay, the the air raid would not work with the SEC defenses. But I mean, it's working right now with Mississippi State. Like they're they're doing pretty well this year after. A, sort of an off year last year. I think they went a four and seven last year. Um so really, really great to see.
0: Um I think you might have added an extra loss for that for that brawl at the end of the armed forces bowl right
1: there. No. <laughs> but, yeah. I thought they won the okay frankly I thought they won the brawl. Honestly, like because what I remember <laughs> wasn't there a Mississippi State guy that are you are you well, talking maybe, about are the
0: press that? conference afterward then with Mike Leach because that was an interesting okay. that was interesting yeah
1: Mike Leach is a interest he's a character to say the least and I'm just gonna leave yeah. it at that I'm not gonna get into a controversial character in college football at times I mean people have their opinions I am indifferent towards it, but I do recognize he's an acquired taste so uh I, I guess moving <laughs> on from that uh we have so my next quarterback had was uh, part of a game that had East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, Scouts on site, and that was a Shula ball in uh FAU versus FIU, um, which probably will end up being the better South Florida rivalry or the be- the be- the best rivalry game in Florida this year. Um, better than UCL. Looking USF. like it. Yeah, yeah, the war yeah. and looking like it. But uh, so in Kosi Perry went 18 of 21, a name that a name that I know you remember in Kosi Perry, Miami went 18 of 21, 329 yards, three touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown, and also threw in a catch in there for FAU. Uh, this FEU offense is looking very improved from last year. Last year, all they could do was really run the ball. Uh, they struggled. Uh, they had great – I mean, they had, they had quarterbacks that managed the game well, didn't really make plays that much um, in Nick Trani and Javante – and uh, I think it's not Javante Williams, but I forget, I, forget his other, I forget his name. But uh, they had two good – they had two solid quarterbacks. But in close Perry's taking that offense to a new level, um, they could contend in the East as Marshall is 2-3 and three right now, much to everyone's surprise. Yeah, no, they have been doing good. Uh, that that's
0: been awesome to see. But yeah, hopefully we can see him get, I'm gonna go with uh sorry, I'm having trouble right here. Okay, there we go. I got Kenny Pickett as my next quarterback, quarterback from Pitt. Uh 23 for 36, 389 yards and four touchdowns. He has 19 touchdowns and in one interception on the season, which I don't does anyone, that is an incredible ratio. Uh, now he did do this in a blowout win versus Georgia Tech, but I uh, I think he's jumping in um, on our radar at least because I, I don't think we've mentioned Kenny on the show before on the pod, but um man he he's certainly earned a spot.
1: Yeah, and you and you and our, our friend that does a uh, uh, another podcast on our network, the Northeast Bull Rush, uh, John Glowatz. He, he actually mentioned Kenny Pickett and asked about uh, last night and asked about his Heisman prospects. And I had to do a quick check in the stats. I didn't realize he had 19 touchdowns. I knew Kenny Pickett was experienced. I've been a Kenny Pickett fan since he beat Miami his freshman year, but he's really taken things to a new level. And I think uh, looking at, looking at how Georgia tech their defense performed against Sam Howell and looking at how um, they performed against Kenny Pickett. I think that that's all you need to know really about Kenny Pickett this year, the, the knock on him isn't really his fault it's the fact that when we think of Pitt we think about them running the ball in terms of like James Conner, um the other great backs that they had like Kadri Kadri Allison. um like we, we think about Pitt running the ball I mean they're coached by uh by Paul Christ, a former Wisconsin assistant so um I'm hoping he can hop he can hop up the Heisman boards because it's been a while since we had like an actual northeastern Heisman Heisman finalist candidate so that, that should be fun to watch
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I'm trying to think of one. Manti Teo, would you count
1: that? No. uh, No. (laughs) No. No. I think um, I think Ray Rice was the last Northeastern player to get votes back in 06. That's what I'm oh no, no, no. Sorry. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan probably got votes in 07, but he wasn't a finalist.
0: Okay. Yeah. no
1: no 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 sorry and again, Andre Williams in 2013 was the final so that 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 I know is the last one I know Andre Williams Okay. Was there that's definitely play.
0: the most most recent yeah because I, I can't think of any within the past at least four or five years so yeah, that's probably the most recent um moving on to running backs. I'm gonna go with uh a guy staying the obvious Brian Robinson running back from Alabama an incredible 36 carries. That alone should earn him a spot. <laughs> Talking about this 171 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Alabama is just the more physical team versus Ole Miss. Um, and Brian Robinson was a large part of that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And um, so I'm all for running backs winning the Heisman. I think I think Brian Robinson is in a great spot to get to get Heisman attention because he's a Bama running back. Uh, a fun or an interesting tidbit is the last three non-quarterbacks to win the Heisman were Alabama um, position players as, or I shouldn't say position players, but Alabama skill players as in you had Mark Ingram in 09, you had, um, excuse me, Derek County in 2015. And then you have, uh, De- or, excuse me, um, geez, Devonte Smith in 2020 at wide receiver. The last non-Alabama skill player to win it was Reggie Bush in 05, which is really crazy to think of. Um, so it just shows you the leg up that, that, that he has in the race. So, I mean, yeah, Brian Robinson, great game for sure there. And like you mentioned, like Ole Miss just got out physical. I mean that. I, I guess it shows that they're more of a finesse team. I'd hate to use that term, but I can't really find a better term to describe it with uh Lane Kiffin's offense and everything.
0: I mean, uh, the first few, the first few games of the season with Ole Miss, we were saying like, you know, grab your popcorn, enjoy this because enjoy the show. And then now, um, uh yeah, Paman just dominated them and it was it was over pretty quickly, you could
1: see. um
0: did you name your running back? or no well, you were- I did
1: not yet. I did not well, yet. Who's your uh, next one? my so my my first running back I got I got Fred Davis out of Mercer who uh, it seems like every week, I feel like every week or, or two, we're mentioning how bad the Sanford defense is and how bad they make things for Liam Welch. Because when I, I saw the stat line on Twitter for Fred Davis, I'm like, this is insane. He had 28 carries, 276 yards, and five touchdowns for uh, an emerging Bears program in the SoCon. And they're playing they're playing Sanford. Liam Welch had 312 yards and four touchdowns. The game, like, both teams had over 40 points. But Mercer ended up winning that one because the Sanford defense just isn't that good. I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, Fred Davis, great game for Mercer. And with this game an amazing fact, he exceeded his totals from the spring season with this one game. He exceeded his totals by three yards by three yards in 64 less carries in the spring season. He had 92 carries for 273 yards. This game, he exceeded those totals with 28 carries for 276 yards. Just amazing. Uh, Mercer should be in the thick of the SoCon race as VMI is having a down year. They lost the military classic, the South, um, against citadel this past weekend so the socons is anyone's uh well the socons and as well as the at-large bids that may come from that conference are anyone's to go for uh with also with with east tennessee state leading the pack uh with quay holmes and company there but really interesting things happening in the socon fred davis great game out there
0: yeah absolutely no that was awesome to say i don't think that's the first time we've mentioned uh davis on here right yeah,
1: no, because he had not he had not yeah. had a hundred yard game to this point. Um, but he yeah. burst on the scene.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's tough to to mention someone with, with not a hundred without a hundred yard game. But yeah, no, that now that he had that, definitely someone we can keep an eye on. Uh, I'm gonna go with my next back. I'm gonna go with Tyler Algier. Am I
1: saying that correctly? Uh, I think it's Algier.
0: Algier. Uh, the, yeah, that's right. That's it. Tyler Algier. Uh, running back from BYU, twenty two attempts, two hundred and eighteen yards. That is almost 10 yards per carry, which is insane. Uh, three touchdowns, another three receptions for 22 yards. Uh, he balled out and had a had a great day for BYU.
1: Yeah, and I think looking at BYU in the long term, like this will be like this is a great sign for them in in their New Year six prospects because you look at last year, of course all the attention was on Zach Wilson. Um, but Algier had 150 carries for 1,100 yards, averaging almost seven yards a carry. So he brought that efficiency and balance to that offense. This is a Tyler Algier that 2020 team that showed up against Utah State in a, in a hard-fought game. Really, um, you know, he, he'll definitely he'll definitely lighten the load for the quarterbacks, whether it's whether it's Gunnar Romney or Jaron Hall, quarterback in the Cougars in their hard games against Baylor, Virginia um and also USC uh, on Thanksgiving weekend so he'll he'll hope will hopefully lighten the load excuse me for that offense but it's good to see Algier back um seemed like every week he was like in the spotlight on, on the late night slots for BYU early in the season at least um so for my running backs I have two uh for the same team for Georgia State I got Logan Wright and Jalen White Uh, The W&W company, uh, they, they combined for 24 carries for 365 yards and four touchdowns for Georgia Southern in their win against Arkansas State. And that Georgia Southern offense, they looked like they were firing from all cylinders, 50 carries for 503 yards and seven touchdowns. And you know the best part of it all, three to thirteen passing. That's a Georgia State. We are Georgia Southern. That's a Georgia Southern. We know that. I mean, that gets to bowls and makes things hard. And uh, mentioning BYU, they play BYU at home on November twentieth. If this is what the option looks like by then, if it's crispy, if it's flow if it's fluid, then BYU might be on upset work for that game.
0: The thing about the option is that so few teams run it. It's so hard to prepare for, and there's really no way to to emulate and practice, at least at a high level, or the level that you're going to face it at. So yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that's something to watch out for with BYU and, uh, and Georgia Southern later on in the year. Um, moving on to receivers, we didn't mention Desmond Ritter, we have to mention Alec Pierce, the wide receiver from Cincinnati. Six receptions, 144 yards, no touchdowns, but he accounted for nearly half of ritter's passing yards uh he had 297 on the day 144 of those were pierces and of course that incredible statement 24 13 win versus notre dame that they got paid to go there by the way i found that out this week i just thought this was a uh a little you know non-conference home and home i don't i don't know what i thought it was but no that since then he got a paycheck to go
1: Yeah, I mean, it should be a home and home. Nippert Stadium is a great venue. Uh, Pat McAfee called on a broadcast, uh, the Wrigley Field of college football. So great stadium. Uh, Alec Pierce, I've been an Alec Pierce fan since uh, sitting there with my friends December 19th, uh, 2020. We We're watching the AAC title game. Um, You know, it was a fun time. You know, my, I guess it was sort of like my annual bowl party. I, I mean, except it wasn't the Bulls Conference Championships. But uh, Alec Pierce seemed to be everywhere on that field and catching jump balls. He's an amazing jump ball receiver, probably one of the best in the country, like second to Drake London, I think. But Alec Pierce has amazing ball skills, and I would love to see him on an NFL team. And I know senior bowl gave him some shout out, gave him a shout out, too, with uh, Jim yeah, was, out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, you, I'll let you take say, that.
0: Yeah. No, uh, I mean I, I have nothing else to add other than yeah, I believe he either was on the watch list or got added to that for the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, by the way, if you don't follow Jim Nagy, the director for the Senior Bowl on Twitter, you should Jim Nagy underscore SB. He always puts awesome stuff on uh, on college football, particularly from a scouting perspective. But um, yeah, I know, I know, I and I, I think you really enjoy his stuff a lot on there but yeah no he is he's an excellent jump ball receiver and you don't have to have touchdowns to make an impact I mean he had uh, an incredible day
1: yeah absolutely I mean like people will ignore the touchdowns but yeah I think if you find an Alec Pierce highlight reel like you will not be disappointed um just really amazing receiver Uh, For my first receiver, I'm going to go with the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of like college football exposure. I'm going with uh, Nabaziah Burris out of Stetson, who had seven catches for 127 yards and four touchdowns in a close loss to Davidson, the defending champs. I mean, the Pioneer Football League, it's looking fun this year, really, because... I mean San Diego, the traditional power, the team that had won over 30 non or over 30 conference games. They had over 30 conference games in a row. I think it was 37. Uh, they're one and four right now. They're struggling. I mean the the conference is anyone's to take, including Presbyterian with the coach that never punts. But Burris had a great game out there, and he's only a freshman. So maybe Stetson has some thing, has some great young talent in the future that they can grab a league title out out in the Pioneer Football League.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome to see. I do not have him on my list, to say the least. Um, I don't have any any Stetson players, but uh, how, what kind of stats has he put up on the year so far? So
1: he, only had, he only had one catch versus Princeton coming into that game, but he just burst on the scene for uh, uh, yeah. four touchdowns. Uh, really, really great to see. And I mean, gave Davidson a run for their money. Uh, who Davidson's looking at like the front runner right now in the Pioneer League.
0: I mean, anytime you get four touchdowns, you should you should be uh, notated for sure. But going from one catch to four touchdowns is awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, you might have had him on your list as well, Sky Moore, wide receiver from Western Michigan, 11 receptions, 163 yards and two touchdowns in a 24-17 win versus Buffalo. Sky Moore seems to have had a great year so far. I forgot to write down his stats so far for the, the rest of the season, but um, uh, and he, he put up a win against what is a not a terrible Buffalo team either,
1: you yeah, know, absolutely not. And that game was a really marquee game in the Mac, a really good testing point, I guess. For I mean, you might even see that be the conference championship game, uh, be, be, the, be the game yeah, in Detroit. I yeah, know it's, um, it's a
0: realistic outcome, especially with how bad the uh the Mac. Oh gosh, which division is uh, Buffalo in? The MAC end? East. MAC East, yeah. Especially with how bad the MAC East is right now, yeah, you could really see that be the conference championship, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, for sure. And staying in the MAC with our receivers uh, and staying in Michigan, as in Michigan MAC schools, I got Hassan Bedoun, who had fourteen out of Eastern Michigan had fourteen catches for one hundred fifty-seven yards, no touchdowns, but he's got twenty-nine catches, catches for three hundred sixty yards for Eastern Michigan team that should make a bowl. Uh, throwing the ball out there it was uh the guy that actually started the 2019 uh or 2020 birmingham bowl in ben bryan uh or actually no did he i don't well i don't think he started that game but he did have plenty of starts in the 2019 cincinnati team uh that team's three and two out in Ypsilanti. uh should be prime for a bowl but 14 catches 157 yards really like the number one option an impressive game out there i think he uh, led the all that F- fbs and catches uh this past week What was his name one more time? Uh, Hassan Bedoun. Hassan
0: Bedoun. Okay, yeah. No, that's awesome. We'll have, to, we'll have to keep an eye on him for the rest of the year. I think we got off track. Do you want to go with your defensive player first?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I got two defensive players for once this week. Um, and something I, I stumbled across on Twitter, I love the All-Star Games. I'm a purist. As a historian, you recognize the significance of All Star Games in the past, where when television wasn't, you know, wasn't as wide ranging as it is today. The All Star Games were when you'd see everyone. It's when you had the College All Star Game in Chicago, the Senior Bowl, the East West Shrine Bowl, the Blue Gray Classic on Christmas Day, and the Crampton Bowl, my favorite one to think about. Um, so the NFLPA Bowl, the scouts were out in uh, Missouri Western to watch Sam Webb play, and he didn't have a he didn't have a great game uh, statistically. But it might have just, be, just been because he's a lockdown corner. He's got seven picks in his career, 33 pass deflections, and 15 in 2019. So a lockdown corner for Missouri West and the Griffins out there. Uh, just wanted to shine light on that because we love talking about the All-Star games on this podcast. Uh, Sam Webb, a name to look out for. Uh, I mean, might even be a late-round sleeper in the drafts. Or like a, that one undrafted guy that makes a team and ends up making a name for himself. Might up might, might being like the Brett Grimes, if anything, on a team in the future. So...
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's awesome to see in the NFL be able anytime you get that sort of spotlight on you. um, Yeah, you you should be uh, should have attention on you. And then also, like you said, ideally, um, as a corner, you don't have any stats because no one throws the ball your way. (laughs) Um, So which I mean, obviously, is not always the case, but I think it was Kair Elam this year that said I'm kind of offended. When someone throws the ball or, t- or targets the receiver, I'm covering because it means I'm not doing a good enough job of covering if they if they think they can complete that. So yeah, no, we'll we'll keep an eye on him. I've got Jahari K, defensive end from Sam Houston. I believe we talked a lot about Jahari in spring this past year on the FCS pod. Eight tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, one and a half of those being sacks, a forced fumble and two quarterback hurries. Uh he got all that in a twenty twenty or twenty one at twenty win versus Stephen F. Austin.
1: Then that's the battle of the Piney Woods at a, at Energy Stadium. A uh, great rivalry that's going that's in the well, it's in the WAC A Sun Challenge this year, but it's going to be in the WAC next year when the WAC gets full membership. Um, you know, Sam Houston State. Like you know, people are forget people forget. You know, they're the spring champions. I think really because yeah, um, it's a spring season, short season. A lot of teams weren't playing um but they're they're for real i'm surprised we haven't brought up eric Schmidt yet in the fcs race i think it's because uh eric Barrier's stats this year have been just transcendent but he had another great performance on national tv and as a, the big sky had the, the after dark game this past weekend against fontana uh speaking of, on eric, ESPN of and you know what yeah and espnu yeah. um you know absolutely great for the conference but yeah like um I think it's surprising we're talking about Sam Houston's defense instead of their offense. Cause they have like numerous weapons on offense. They got like oh, uh, yeah. Jaquez Ezard too, who I who in doing a pod with a friend of the network, uh, HBC Dwayne from HBC, the art sports. I found out he was a Howard transfer. Like that Howard team was stacked. They had Ezard, They had uh, Kalen Newton, Cam Newton's brother, just a stacked team. But that's a, uh, that's a topic for another time. But yeah, great to see, uh, you know, Sam Houston state still dominant out there in the whack now as the whack is back. Um, moving on to my defender in the spring, we talked to a bunch about Drake's defense. Well, not a bunch, but multiple times about how good their defense was in their first game of the season. They, they were right in the thick of it with the, with the defending champs, the four-time defending champs in San Diego. In fact, they found a way to score 10 points despite 25 yards of offense. That's how good the defense was for Drake that day. And they narrowly lost 13 to 10 to the Toreros. Uh, that defense allowed only 13 points a game in five games in the spring. Absolutely elite unit, and they showed that again in a six-to-three slosh fest against Butler. Um, you know the defense was great, and there really wasn't one standout. So I had to pick one. I picked Will Cullick, who had three tackles for loss in the six-three victory against the Bulldogs. Um, and last time I mentioned Drake, I, I quoted some Drake lines. So I'm going to do it again. From no, they got no friends in the industry when it comes to the Pioneer Football League. And, you know, they was known for snapping when they chat before the app, stood on everything they said, and they never took it back. No friends in the industry of the Pioneer Football League. They had to draw the line between the brothers and their enemies. That's a fact right there from no, friend, no friends in the industry. Drake, not the rapper, but Drake is turning up. Drake, The Drake Bulldogs of the Pioneer Football League, is turning, they're turning up, especially on defense with a great performance this past week.
0: You're doing the wrong thing on Spotify, you name me. You name me. Shouldn't be doing podcasts on Spotify. Should be should be dropping some some singles on there because that was that was elite, Omar. Good job. Uh, definitely better than I could do. So,
1: <laughs> got to get a collab with the uh, the Miami rapper or the Tennessee rapper that you always show <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. There's a, a Miami one
0: and a Tennessee one.
1: Yeah, you could, you can do
0: that for sure. Oh man. Um. Uh. Well. A very smooth transition into our Heisman race. Um, Who have you got as your top five right now?
1: Top five right now. I got number one being Bryce Young, of course. Why not? Um, You know, Alabama being dominant and him having a great performance, really winning that quarterback battle handily against Matt Corral. Number two, I'm gonna change things up a bit from what I told you before the pod. Uh, Bijan Robinson, I got Bijan Robinson at number two for Texas with a potentially huge game in the Heisman race against Oklahoma this week in the Red River rivalry. He's got 682 yards in five games, averaging seven yards per carry, and they upped his carry load against TCU. He had 36 carries against the Horn Frogs this past week, so that's that could be him trending up in the Heisman race. Uh, number three, I'm going Desmond Ritter after that huge game against Notre Dame. It's just tough when you have a group of five quarterback. Uh, his numbers are there he's on a great team uh, all recipes for uh, being great in the Heisman race but it, it's Cincinnati he's in the group of five um, there'll be some like lesser I mean there'll, there'll be there'll be some less opportune spots for uh, for him like this Friday against Temple I'm not sure how many people will be watching a Friday night game against Temple um, n- no knock on them it's just it's you know people focus more on the Saturday games than the Friday games um, so I got Desmond Ritter at three four I got Kenny Pickett um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit when mean, we talked about him before. We, we might talk about him a little bit more after you release your rankings, but he's quietly having a great year. I think we have to see more from Pitt in the ACC race, uh, because I think Pitt is the best team in the coastal. I think they win that division. Um, and th- th- I mean, the offense is just different this year, they're passing the ball a lot more. and Kenny Pickett's experienced and it feels special, it really does. Fifth year starter. Feels like the year that they, he finally does it and finally breaks the hump and wins it, you know, wins the ACC title. Um, and then for number five, I'm going with like with Kenneth Walker. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker there. Um, he's got similar numbers to Bijan Robinson, but it's one of those things where we have to see more out of him, I think. Uh, has, there haven't really been any marquee games for Michigan State. Once they play, because they got they got Penn State, they got Michigan, they got Ohio State. Once we once we see how he plays in those three games, like we might be talking about Kenneth Walker instead of Bijan Robinson as the running back, as the top running back in the Heisman race. Yeah,
0: no, we, we very well might be. Uh, there's Brian Robinson, there's Bijan Robinson, so very similar names. but both have had an excellent season. Uh, my list looks pretty similar. Jake Hayner broke our hearts last week. The one week we didn't want Hawaii to win. Uh, versus fresno state uh gosh we would i would have loved to keep jake in there with the loss to hawaii you cannot be in my heisman list uh that is that is just one of my rules i guess so uh, i have bryce young first um obviously after that dominant performance over matt corral uh matt corral dropped completely off of my list after last week because you i mean Last week may not have been this Heisman moment. You can't have like an anti-Heisman moment. Like that was just, that was awful on all cylinders by Ole Miss. Uh, Desmond Ritter is my second. He definitely had his Heisman moment. Uh, So I I put Desmond Ritter up there at two. Um, But John Robinson running back from Texas at number three uh, for the season that he's had and it being such a big name program like Texas – um he has an opportunity showcase and then at the red river showdown or whatever the red river rivalry whatever they call it up there in, in uh dallas i had cj stroud at four um and that partially is because it's such a big program i mean that's pretty much is the main reason uh that i have him there and so i think he's like maybe the fourth most likely to win it um one Fans weren't chanting his backup's name, the crowd, so I, I wouldn't have Spencer Redler in there. Um, but with CJ Stroud, uh, again, I think I said this last week too, nothing that's really wowed me, but uh, I'm keeping him in there for the same reason I kept Ritter in there for a little bit because he still has the chance. We just haven't seen him yet for him to wow us. So I'm going to put there. And like you have uh, Kenny Pickett at number five, uh, quarterback from Pitt. Like you said, it does feel special for this year and for Pickett.
1: And I think the thing is, is like, we have a wide variety of candidates. We got our skill position players. We have our um, players who like from schools that don't normally produce Heisman finalists. Um, It seems like a very interesting Heisman race, Uh, but it does seem like Bryce Jones to lose at this point. But again, we're just almost at the halfway point. Uh, We'll be interesting to see. And a lot lot of guys got knocked off, I mean, this past week, or not a lot, but a a few guys. Um, I know some people might add KJ Jefferson, if he had a strong performance against Georgia. This past weekend, that didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just see. Like, these these big games, as they happen, will dwindle the, the race uh, smaller and smaller each week.
0: There's a lot of football left to be played. So, um, yeah. there, there's a lot to happen. A lot of chances for, for guys and teams to fall. Uh, and a lot for them to rise up. So, we'll see. Um, I do, before we get into later on in the season and get close close to the Heisman, I would love to do a little bit more research on Heisman voting and exactly how that's done because I think that might shape our lists a little bit. Because um, if we were doing a, a five most deserving in our opinions and five uh, most likely, I try and find that sweet spot on my list, but gosh, those are two totally different lists aside from maybe Bryce Young. Um, those, are, those are two different lists. So, but as we get closer, maybe we can start make that distinction a little bit better um moving on in games to watch for week six like i said it's still hard to believe that it's week six um do you want to do you want to do your first one or do you i'll want start because
1: to... i got i got a, i got a friday game i'm gonna yeah, say go i got i got morgan state howard um thursday and that's game. uh yeah um well no it, it's friday it's friday surprisingly i thought it was thursday at first uh with the hb you got the hbcu games and ESPNU, um, Morgan State, Howard, great game in uh, the Mid Atlantic. Uh, both teams are struggling right now. With Morgan State at 0 and 4, Howard at 1 and 4, but quite literally, like both teams are still alive for the Celebration Bowl. Um, you know, it, with the MIAC being at six teams, it's interesting because this bowl race—it's a five-game season. Like it doesn't really matter what you did non-conference. Like all the stuff that J- that Jawan Carter and Norfolk State did non-conference—that that's great and all, but. All that matters is the five games of MiAC play, and this is a great game. I think it's the first conference game of the, of the season for the MEAC, uh on this Friday night. Uh, should be fun for want to tune into. Quentin Williams, uh, you know, watched him during the, uh, the Truth and Service Classic out in D.C. Uh, not, I wasn't at D.C., of course, but um, the game was played in D.C. on NBC Sports Network. Having a solid year, leading all MiAC passers in passing with 1113 yards, eight touchdowns, four picks. Guy to watch there. But again, it should be interesting because w- one of these teams can turn around their season and end up in the celebration bowl with, you know, maybe like a six and five record or like a, even even a five and six record. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. But again, the MIAC is probably going to be the most interesting con- conference race in Division One, in my opinion, FBS or FCS.
0: Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And, and that game uh, Thursday or not Thursday, Friday will definitely shape it out. What network is it on again?
1: Sorry, that's on ESPNU. They usually have the of okay. the, week, the weeknight HBCU games. They have an amazing broadcast team I love of Tiffany Walker on play-by-play and Jay Skywalker, or Tiffany Green on play-by-play, excuse me. It's Tiffany Green on play-by-play and Jay Skywalker, uh, former Howard Great, uh, doing the color analysis.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I have not seen that broadcast. So I'll have to watch that this Friday. Um, Thursday night, why on earth would you watch Ram Seahawks and that NFC West battle when you can watch Houston at Tulane on ESPN Thursday night? Uh, now, hear me out. Houston's 4-1, one, Tulane's 1-4. One and four. It Doesn't look good on paper. Tulane's been disappointing. There's no other way about it. Uh, we had high hopes for them this year, but their defense is honestly the main issue. Uh, they rank 220th or worse in every major defensive category except for third down defense. Their offense, however, is a top 35 scoring offense. Michael Pratt has been throwing the ball well. He just has nine giveaways on the season. So that, that has to come to a stop for Pratt to improve. Only five interceptions, but he's had four fumbles on the year two. Uh, Houston's only loss is to Texas Tech in week one. And three of their four wins have come by 35 points or more. So they clearly are an explosive offense and uh, lost to a, a decent Texas Tech team. And that's, a you know, obviously a power five school. Tulane, um, no word for disappointing. I really hope they can get this turned around. And this is the game to do it at home on ESPN at night. I think this might be a chance for Tulane to, to start getting it turned around.
1: I mean, they need to. It didn't look too promising last week against East Carolina. Uh, it is a must-win in terms yeah. of their bowl aspirations. Um, I do they pull it off? I'm not so sure. Uh, Houston, Houston looks like a strong I'm not, program. Yeah, this year. I don't.
0: I don't think Tulane wins. I just we. I hope we can see some improvement. And remember, Pratt is a freshman still. Like we shouldn't be putting this much pressure on him in his freshman year. Um, he's just kind of got thrown out there. But man. Um, I don't think they're going to a bowl this year, but hopefully we can see just some improvement, something to build off of, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I like to note this is Mike Pratt's second freshman year with the weird eligibility rules. Oh um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I guess thrown out there would be kind of a stretch because he, he shined last year. Um, but I, I see your point for sure. Uh, it's just tough because they really challenged themselves in non-conference play and i mean even right down to like the group of five teams they played i mean they played uab like uab has been a solid team in the conference you for a while which i guess is a smooth transition to my next game to watch utsa versus western kentucky and bailey zappi has had an amazing year for western kentucky so far i think he threw over 60 passes against against michigan state yeah he went 46 of 64 for 488 yards against michigan state uh this past week bailey zappi if you, don't, if you don't know of him, like, you've had your chances to know about Bailey Zappi. Like, he had oh, almost 1,600 yards in four games for East for Houston Baptist uh, during the fall, and they almost beat a couple of FBS teams. So, I, I mean, so that was your opportunity now. I mean, that was your opportunity against UTSA, a 5-0 UTSA team with Sincere McCormick, Frank Harris, one of the best dual threats in the group of five, a star-studded UTSA team, um, and Vegas knows, I guess, they, they know about Zappi because Wake, uh, Western Kentucky is a Excuse me, three and a half point favorite, despite being one and three. Uh, but honestly, if there's ever an indictment for why teams should leave Conference USA, the, the game of the week in the conference, probably what's going to be end up being the game of the year in the conference, probably that's going to be uh, the matchup for the conference title game is on stadium it's on syndication it's not on cable it's not on a national cable provider i mean it's easy to access i will give you give you that but in terms of exposure you want your marquee games on marquee networks this one's on stadium it's not even on cbs sports network it's it just it's it's a frustrating indictment for everything that conference usa is right now like that that's just all i have to say
0: if you're conference usa and you can't get your your biggest game on cbs sn then what are you doing um yeah. Anyways, uh, my next game, I'm going to go with, uh, with one that I think you definitely have this one on your list, Omar, Arkansas and Old Miss uh, noon Eastern on ESPN. Um, both are coming off of bad in-conference losses to Georgia and Alabama respectively. I think we'll know a lot more about the depth of the SEC and particularly the SEC West in general, after this game. uh I, Both teams got punched in the face last week pretty badly, Um, and we'll see. And now that's Georgia and Alabama, the clear-cut two best teams in the country, so it's understandable. But I'm really curious who can pull off a win in this game after you both got beaten so badly, because it's pretty unusual to have two undefeated teams lose by a large margin to the number one and two ranked teams, I can't remember really a circumstance like this where you still have a lot to play for, and it's just a very similar story for both of them. And now they play each other, so I'm really interested to see how this one plays out.
1: And I think, uh, on that note, too, I think it's a near six elimination game. Um, the loser That's, this one might be destined, absolutely, this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, losing this one might be destined to either the Outback or the Citrus Bowl um, in yeah. the long run. So there, there's uh, that. Especially
0: too. if Georgia and Bama somehow both go to the playoff, which, I mean, who knows? We we might see that, um, especially if both go in undefeated and then one, you know, beats. You can see a, a one and a three are um, them being the, you know, undefeated SEC champion being the one and the other, the runner up being the third. I mean, we we've seen it before and 2017 whatever that year was that they both went but yeah no, know we can see that so yeah this would definitely be year six elimination game
1: absolutely um i mean so it'll be, it'll be interesting interesting to see whether mackerel bounces back and I, I don't know if he gets back in the highest race to be honest with you but uh i will see and also i, I feel i, I kind of feel the need to say this but i guess when we produce our games of the week um Yes, there's games on schedule like Iowa, Penn State, but who isn't following that one three versus four? I guess we want to shine light on games that are interesting in like award races as well, um, because I realize I haven't like named a lot of those games over the course of the season. It's not because I'm, I'm oblivious to it. It's because I realize a lot of people are probably watching those games as it is. Uh, so just got to shine light on, on the other ones. Um, excuse me. My next game uh, is a game that our friend of the pod rich Waltz will be calling wyoming versus air force wyoming at 4-0 air force at 4-1 a huge game in the mountain west mountain especially the fact that boise state's at two and three and boise state could realistically end at, five, at seven and five or even six and six with the schedule that they have left um so i mean an interesting game for sure uh Hazeek daniels is is managing that triple option so well out in out in colorado springs uh, they got their fullback is having a great year. Brad Roberts, 117 carries for 540 yards, including a 29 carry performance uh for 142 yards against UNM. So really a huge game out in the Mountain West. And I, I gotta say, I think it's kind of refreshing to see a Mountain West race not have Boise State. And it's no hate for Boise State. It's just that parody is great in any conference. Like it gets tiresome having the same teams at the top. Um Having like Wyoming, like, um, you know, this feels like 2016, honestly, with Wyoming pulling the upset against Boise State. And they haven't played Boise State yet, but just having that parody in the Mountain West Mountain Division, it's great to see it. Uh, We could have Air Force making their first conference championship game since 2015. We could have Wyoming making their first uh, title game since 2016. Heck, even Utah State is looking strong and is in the race and could make their first title game appearance since 2013. This is a beautiful time for the Mountain West, and this game just shows it. 7 o'clock, CBS Sports Network on the call. Rich Walt at the Air Force Academy. How much more American can you get?
0: I don't think you can. Uh, well, uh, maybe we we'll, we have to have Rich on again to, <laughs> to rehash that game. That would be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I love hearing him call games. That was, that was awesome to see. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to watch that this uh, this night. Um, man, after you saying that about shedding light on, I feel bad about my last two games <laughs> that I have. Um, I have, I have West Virginia at Baylor next, um, uh, West Virginia, a two and three team. They are 13 points away from being five and 0 uh, they've got three very close losses. Um, Baylor surprisingly was just not the more physical team with how good their offensive line was. They just had a bad loss to Oklahoma state. Um, and yes, it, it came out to only, a, I think it was a 10 point loss, but it, it was worse than that. Uh, if they have any shot at the big 12 championship, they, they need to get back on track and win this one.
1: I mean, the big 12 is really interesting now because I feel like people, have, I mean, they're sort of written off Oklahoma. Well, People, I guess, not written off, but they see Oklahoma as being vulnerable this year. Oklahoma State looks solid. So we'll see if uh, Bedlam is going to be a game to watch in the Big 12. But Baylor might just with the loss. Like, they could creep back up in the conference race because they do have the conference championship game. It is the top two finishers in the conference. So they are not dead by any stretch of the imagination. I do anticipate Oklahoma State or Oklahoma tripping up along the way. Um, even though Oklahoma State would have the tiebreaker over Baylor in, in terms of conference title game. So yeah, it very, very interesting game for sure. And I, I didn't know that about, about West Virginia being 15 points away from being five and zero. like that's, uh, that, that's, that's interesting. I mean, the best two and three team in the country, I, I guess you can say. <laughs> um, so, so for my next game, excuse me, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, shoot, I just had it here. And I had doubts about it. I'm going to go with ULM versus Georgia State in terms of the bowl race because Georgia State, of course, had that emotional emotional high slash low, whatever you want to call it, just a really, I mean, kind of a game of burnout, honestly, against Auburn a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm not sure if they had a bye week. They did not have a bye week. They lost to App State. But this team was a team that people thought could challenge for the Sun Belt. They're 1-4 and right now. They're in danger of missing a bowl. If they lose this game, they're in danger of of missing one. ULM is 2-2. and They've made it into some bowl projections. Um, The Hawaii Bowl in particular on on ESPN, they had them replacing an American team there. This could be huge for their bowl hopes because uh, if they beat Georgia State, they have winnable games against um, South Alabama, Texas State, and Arkansas State to get to six wins. So... Maybe, maybe, I mean, this is just a huge game for the Sunbelt Bowl race um, and for UL, ULM's bowl races in particular. ULM's made one bowl, and that was in 2012, and that was a team that beat Arkansas on the road, that almost beat Auburn, and almost beat Baylor. So uh, if, you, if you're interested in the Group 5 bowl race and want a bowl team to root for, along with UTEP and Norfolk State, then root for Louisiana Monroe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be something to watch. And then uh, again, my last one, opposite end of the spectrum, um, Penn State at Iowa. This one I kind of picked because we talked on on Bulls with Booze, which if you haven't heard, is is our Monday night halftime show that we do on Instagram Live, uh, just kind of talking about bull projections and all of that. But anyways, um, I picked this one because uh, we talked about well, the winner of the Big Ten go to the playoff um and who has a shot and man this is uh this would be a statement win for either of these schools so i'll i'm looking forward to watching that one um but yeah sorry sorry about keeping it mostly in the power five except except for my thursday night game but uh man there's there's so much going on this speaks to the to the depth of how many games there are this week
1: I mean, absolutely. There's so many, there's so much depth in the games. I'm like, I got, I got two games that I'll just say together. Um, Wake Forest-Syracuse at 3.30 on ESPN, on ESPN2. That one's interesting because we know how tough of a place it is to play in the Carrier Dome. You think about uh, Clemson-Syracuse 2017. North Carolina State got upset in the Carrier Dome in 2018 on the, against that great Syracuse team. I kind of got a funny feeling about this one, to be honest with you. I'm not going to go full overboard and say it's going to be an upset but i wouldn't be surprised if wake forest has trouble in the carrier dome uh against against syracuse i would not be surprised at all they're only a six point favorite um the over under is kind of low for how wake forest plays averaging 38 points 30 yeah 38.4 points per game but the over under is at 57 so i I got a funny feeling about that one that one will definitely be something to watch out for especially with uh wake forest being a front run in the acc Uh, And then my last game, I have Utah USC on Fox at eight o'clock because the Pac-12 is almost really anyone's to win, at least on the South side of things, um, because UCLA has looked weak. Uh, Well, I wouldn't say weak, but UCLA, I mean, they have a loss in conference. They have the loss to Fresno State. Arizona State lost to BYU. Um, They look like the front runner now in the Pac-12 South. Um, and then also, too, like USC might still be alive. Utah has still time, has time to, to turn things around. So seeing that that primetime game on uh, or seeing that game in primetime on Fox, uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be a great mark to see where the where the Pac-12 is at. I don't think Utah has beat um, USC in a very long time. And I'm looking that up right now on Wikipedia as it loads. Um, let's see, Utah. Has played USC a total of, geez, okay, that's that's great, Wikipedia. Utah has played USC a total of. Let's compare. They played a total of uh, nineteen times, and Utah has not won since twenty-eight. Okay, that, that's something else. I'm say. I don't think I think it's they haven't won at the Coliseum in a long time, and that game's at the Coliseum, so. Yeah, Utah has not one of the has not beat USC in LA since nineteen sixteen. So that'll be something to watch out for. Uh, they have not beat them since the Woodrow Wilson administration. Since I'm bringing up presidential administrations, um, so definitely something to look out for on Prime Time on Fox.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know that'll be it. that'll be awesome to see. And yeah, it's the the Pac twelve is is interesting. The Stanford win makes makes a lot of things uh really interesting in that conference but but we'll see um I mean that was that was Penn State Iowa
1: was my last game to watch. You got you got anything else to add before we head off? No, I think who would have thought that one of the defining games in the big ten playoff race would be Penn State Iowa in the middle of the year. Like who yeah, would have thought, no, no thought that one, yeah it's almost no. always a good game too like I don't know if you remember yeah. uh, 2017 Saquon's game winning touchdown. Um and then in the in the late two thousands, like you know, Iowa, Iowa pulled off a couple upsets against Penn State and knocked them out of the national title race. Like it is almost always a good game, and I'm excited for it. It's in a funny spot though at four o'clock since it's not the big noon game. Um, I'm yeah, trying. To think, is. What is the uh, big noon game? Is it Texas Oklahoma? No, that that's on ABC. The Fox's noon game is Maryland to Ohio State. I think that might have been a pre arranged agreement. Honestly, I think I think. Yeah. Um, I, awesome. So what I, I think happened, I think Penn State-Iowa might have been a homecoming game or something. That's why yeah, it's at 4 o'clock earlier in the afternoon. So, it's- yeah, it, it's interesting for sure. But that that one, um, surprising, but it, that, that's what the season is. It's it's a surprising season. Yeah,
0: it is. It is for sure. At least it's surprising and not just weird like last year. So oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, well, that's that's it for me. But enjoy your uh, your weekend at college football, and we'll, we'll do this again next week.
1: Not exactly. I'm, I'm excited for it. I mean, love it. The award races are fun. Uh, college football is fun. College football is for, for everyone. Um, you know, so just, just tune in on this weekend. All right, and with that, I guess it's peace, love, and soul. <laughs> <laughs>